Welcome to the Post-COVID Church Podcast with your host, Stuart Kellogg. Hello and welcome. The mission of the Post-COVID Church Group is to help the church plan and serve the post-pandemic world, focusing on sharing ideas that work as we head into the new normal. Today, we're going to see how a small church has done big things to stay connected. Rusty Rabin, pastor of Grace Chapel, a non-denominational church in West Columbia, South Carolina, is our guest, and his church is turning 80. He's been at Grace Chapel since 87, pastor since 2012. Rusty has undergrad and graduate degrees from Columbia International University and his Master of Divinity from Erskine Theological. He was in Christian Radio at WMHK in Columbia, South Carolina for 15 years. He and his wife, Terry, have three children and six grandchildren. And welcome to the Post-COVID Church Podcast. Well, Stuart, my privilege. Good to be with you. Your church is fairly small, 180 members. Mm-hmm. You told me between a third and a half with children. I can't believe you were thinking about social media when everything shut down. <laughs> Well, we, uh, we've had a Facebook page. We've had a website. Uh, and so we've, we already had those things in place. We, you know, use the social media, uh, the, the, the Facebook page. Now we're not into Twitter and Instagram. We don't have those pages, but we do have had a Facebook page just to have a presence there to, and I'm usually the one that posts to it, but others in the church can as well. But you know, it's mostly just uh, things that would be spiritually encouraging, uh, you know, a scripture verse, a, a picture like, uh, you know, a, a, a graphic of a, of a verse illustrated by, you know, an artist doing something or a devotional thought. Uh, sometimes things I'm reading, I'll, you know, I'll think, wow, uh, other folks need to hear that. So but then you jumped into services all over. <laughs> Tell me how it worked and why you decided to do what you did. Well, uh, we had to do something, obviously, because, you know, first part of March, things were shutting down. Uh, we immediately, first step we took was to go to the Zoom platform, uh, like so many other folks. But uh, I already had some experience with that. Uh, and so, it was simple for me to set it up and communicate to others in the church uh, basically how it works. I mean, just if you have a computer, you know, click on a link, there you go. But one thing that I thought was good about it, we do have folks in our church, even in this day and time, that don't have internet, don't have computers. And these the call-in feature on Zoom was uh, I thought an advantage because you could you know folks could call in and you know punch in a code and and you're you're there and so and we had several folks take advantage of that and and join us and have joined us that way uh, for the entire time so we did zoom and uh, we started off with uh, I would be at my home uh, just where I am right now and so I would do the you know the the prayer time the message our worship leader would be at her home with two or three of our praise team members and they would be doing the uh the uh, the music live 
And then the lady who usually puts together and runs our graphics, our PowerPoint with the song words, as well as my sermon PowerPoint, she's at her house. So we're in three different locations, but uh, you know, we took turns screen sharing and you know, a couple little glitches here and there. A couple of times the whole Zoom system <laughs> was overloaded and crashed, but uh, we were able to kind of get the hang of it. And so through uh, April and May, that's what we did until we decided to start meeting together again in June. Well, you mentioned a couple of nurses in your congregation warning you early about the danger of isolation. Yes. So you weren't just streaming services, were you? Talk about no. how you you kept that connection. Well, one one of our nurses in particular uh, was uh, very concerned about the effect uh, of uh, people being cloistered in their homes and not able to get out and not having contact with people. And of course, we've heard that that has been a a source of problems, emotional issues for a lot of folks. So. Uh, right all right at the beginning as well, we began doing a Wednesday night Zoom meeting. I mean, uh, Wednesday night prayer meeting is a is a, a typical thing for churches to have. We had prayer together, had some time for prayer, but it was also a time just to just to interact. And that that's another thing that was, I think, a, a good thing about Zoom. Because you know how in, in at church when you you know when you're all there back in you know when it was quote unquote normal, after the service is over, folks are mingling around and talking with one another. Well, with Zoom, you could still do that virtually, of course, with all the pictures of everyone on, on your computer screen. But you could see one another, talk to one another. Uh, uh, and and that was, I think, a positive thing about Zoom, and that's what we did on that you know Wednesday nights. Those who wanted to to link in um, would come in. We would just talk talk about what's going on, uh, any you know any number of things, just like you would in a if you were in person. And My then guest, have prayer Christine together. Uh, Rayburn, pastor of Grace Chapel, a non-denominational church of West Columbia, South Carolina. In addition to the service and the Wednesday you really focused on children. Can you talk about uh, what you did to stay, to keep children and families connected? Okay. Well, uh, we were blessed as well, even, even as a small church. Uh, you mentioned the nurses. We have four, five nurses in our church. We also have about seven or eight school teachers. And so the, the schools obviously are shutting down. Teachers are having to go to a virtual platform. A lot of them, my, one of my daughters is a, a teacher. She had to do almost daily recording of YouTube videos so that her students could, could link into that. And then they also had a Zoom account. She would do some face-to-face -face on Zoom with her students. And so what we did was to uh, for our for our children, instead of their normal Sunday school classes they would come to, we took the same lesson plans and uh, wrote them out. I didn't do that. Our, our children's ministry folks did. And then included with that uh, 
a video from one of the teachers that would get, you know, a link would be sent, you know, a video for each week. Plus, we already had in place some resources we were using. Our church had a subscription to a service called Right Now Media, which has just thousands of uh, teaching videos, a lot of kids' uh, videos, and so we could use that as a resource. Uh, and pretty much every family in our church has it because it's the church purchases the subscription and then our church folks in the church can link into it for free. So families could link into a right now media lesson or some other resources we had, we could send links to with lesson plans. And it really reinforced, and this was a, another thing I thought was good about this is that it reinforced to moms and dads that it's not the church that's the primary discipler of the kids. It's mom and dad. It's the home. Deuteronomy 6, teach about these things. Talk about them in every, you know, at, on every walk of life, everything you're doing. And so it, it kind of put it in the parents and the family to take these resources, use them with your children. And, uh, but you helped provide, encourage, if you will, <laughs> tell them well, their responsibility. So yeah, isn't that, yeah. that perfect to get it going. Yeah. Well, we tried to reinforce, tried to reinforce that with them. And, uh, uh, you, you know, and, and I'm sure we, we didn't take a poll or ask for, you know, ask folks to tell us, did you use it or not? We didn't, and we didn't, uh, ask for answers to that sort of thing. And, and, you know, I know that parents during that time were just swamped because all of a sudden they've got to do everything for their kids for school and, and then everything else. And so parents were overwhelmed by what was happening in their home with all the responsibilities coming on them. So we just, we didn't make, turn it into a high pressure thing. We just said, Hey, here, here they are. Here's some things you can use to work with your kids. And plus we would keep in touch with them. So that's a, a lot of it, isn't it? And uh, my guest, Rusty Rayburn, pastor of Grace Chapel in West Columbia, South Carolina, is that it came from the top that you said, we're not just going to sit. I use the term turtle churches, <laughs> sit and hunker down and wait. You said we're going to pivot and do some more aggressive things, right? Well, I, that's just sort of my nature. I don't, <laughs> I, I'm, I, um, I'm always looking for better ways to do things. I'm, and, and this frustrates some of my folks sometimes because uh, I'm, not, uh, I'm not committed to any particular method. Uh, scripture says we are to disciple, we're to make disciples. Doesn't, doesn't say we're to have Sunday school classes. Uh, so I, I'm way over there on those, let's try new things, end of the spectrum. But, you know, I just couldn't see us just sitting and, and doing nothing. Um, and, and so I uh, just, I, I did a lot of reading, you know, of following what other people were doing, reading blogs and articles and things, different suggestions for different things. And that, that helped kind of uh, spur some ideas and some thoughts of, 
things to do. Uh, well, let's, keeping... let's go forward to when you re, um, reconnected in person. So you, you, you reopened in mid-June, uh -huh. but you still were focused on staying connected with those who were not um, comfortable coming back, right? Yeah. So can you walk us through a, a couple of things you did so that you can cover both ways? Well, we were f very fortunate to have in our church a retired engineer with the South Carolina Educational Television System. He had been uh, an engineer to travel all over the state servicing transmitters for ETV and uh, educational radio. He was retired, but still had some connections with the folks at ETV. Um, and since radio, media, t television has gone all digital, uh, he was able to secure for us a little small uh, analog transmitter. They call it, I think, an exciter, you know, very low, low wattage, like three watts of power. And uh, it's technically on loan to us. And if they ever need it back, we'll have to give it back to them. But He's our, our, the, the man in our church said he didn't think they're going to need it back because they're not using analog equipment anymore. But uh, it was, um, you know, we were able to get that. He and another engineer friend of his fabricated an antenna for us. And this, this is he and I talking, you know, during the months of April and May, what are we going to do? He had the idea, maybe we could do this. And we were able, you know, he was able to help make it happen. Uh, we've got a little antenna in the attic above our church foyer and the cable runs down to the sound booth where the, we've set up the, the little transmitter unit. And so we're going out about a mile radius from the church on, you know, I spent 15 years saying 89.7 WMHK and now it's on 87.9. <laughs> so it goes out over FM. Over FM. You showed uh, me a picture of Lucille. Uh, 93, who uh, gets to sit at home and listen because she lives near the church and she others lives, get to sit in the parking lot. Yeah, and by the way, Lucille is our last remaining charter member. She goes back to day one in 1940. But uh, anyway, yeah, she's, the, she's there uh, about a quarter mile from the church, able to sit in her living room with her radio. Other folks, obviously, are, we, we kept the Zoom going primarily for those folks who were calling in. Uh, but during the months of April and May, we're looking and trying to gather information on how to do the streaming. We already had a website, so we set up a page of live stream on the website. Uh, a particular uh, streaming software was recommended to us that we, we were able to get that, a, a, a a, a new computer designated just for streaming. And so, and again, blessed with a couple of folks in the church who uh, are just so technically savvy. This one, one lady in particular who usually is running our PowerPoints and things, she was able to pick, on, pick up on all the ins and outs of this streaming software quickly. And so she's doing the stream for us. Uh, each week, putting it together, making it happen. Uh, you know, we would have never thought we would do something like this until this situation hit. And it, and it sort of forced us and because when we, when we came back to meet together, we, we knew there would be folks who were not comfortable, weren't ready uh, for whatever reason, but we wanted to 
to try to provide for them as best we could. And it was not a, a huge investment. You know, the, the radio functionality was a, a gift to us. That was a, a blessing that we had. Uh, it wasn't that much of a cost investment to, to begin the streaming. We still have a separate little laptop to do the Zoom and folks who were interested in, in making it happen. Isn't it an example of uh, staff tying into the gifts of the lay? Well, it's actually the, the, the lay folks recognizing their gifts and being willing to step up. Uh, you know, it, it's uh, very much a very much a team, very much a family uh, endeavor. Uh, different folks doing doing different things. Well, uh, tell me about the low tech. Uh, you mentioned even before all this, you had a phone tree. Uh, you do the regular um, uh, Bible studies for folks. Just you can do a little litany of things, ideas that other people could use in their churches. Well, the the phone tree goes back, mercy, uh, seven, eight, or more years ago. Uh, we had a situation happen where. A man in our church, his mother passed away, and the funeral was within just a couple of days of her death, and it was after the fact that some folks in the church found out about it, and they would have wished they could have known about it and attended the funeral to support their friend. So we began looking for ways to, to do it to, to create a way to communicate that wasn't like the, uh, the prayer chain that you've perhaps seen done in churches where one person calls another person calls another person. And it's like the party game where you're whispering a message and what starts out is so-and-so has a bad cold. You get to the end and their funeral is tomorrow. Uh, you know, with messages that kind of get distorted. So with this, sir, it's a, it's a web-based service we began using called uh, One Call Now. And uh, different ones in the church can, can access it and make, uh, make calls. You can subdivide your congregation into all your class groups or different other groupings so that messages can be targeted to whoever needs to get them or you can send a general message to everybody. And it's one way that everybody gets the same message at the same time. So there's no misunderstanding. And it was the older folks in the church, the more senior citizens who really were glad for that because I had more than one of them tell me after we started doing it, how glad they were we, were, we had it now because now they feel like they're connected again they're they're hearing what's going on where in times before that they might not have gotten the word about things so that was already in place so that we could send uh informational phone calls uh maybe a a, a scripture verse a little quick devotion because you've only in this service you've only got two minutes you can you can use but uh that helped us keep in touch and communicate to folks to let them know what we were doing uh, so that, you know, as all of this was hitting back in March and folks are wondering, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? It was fairly easy to get in touch with the congregation and say, here's what we're going to do this Sunday.
It's all about connection. I'm speaking with Pastor Rusty Rayburn, pastor of Grace Chapel in West Columbia, South Carolina. You expressed to me that importance of people, members, having a, a personal mission field. How Can you explain what that is and also how during this pandemic, that's even more important? Well, a personal mission field is a term that a mutual friend of yours and mine, T.M. Moore, has coined to describe the fact that each one of us has a circle of influence. Uh, and I, the way I've, I've presented it to our church family is that when we walk out the doors on Sunday and leave, leave the worship service, leave the Bible study, leave whatever we're there for, we all go in different directions. We have different neighbors, different family members, different co-workers, classmates, but we each have a circle of influence. We each have people that we come in contact with, some regularly, some not so regularly, but uh, those are the people, I believe, that God has put into our lives, brought into our circle of influence brought in, you know, we've crossed paths with them. And so uh, those are the folks that we need to be uh, concerned about sharing Christ with, showing the love of Christ to, uh, whether we have the opportunity to actually share the gospel or not, which hopefully we will, at least we can be a link in the chain perhaps for a person just showing them love, showing them care, reaching out and, uh, and helping. And I see that as a much more effective, I don't know if I should say biblical, but certainly more effective way of doing evangelism than trying to have a certain night of the week where you go cold, cold calling, knocking on doors to talking to people you don't know when you can, talk to people you do know, you do see. You may be, you know, you've heard the, the old saying, uh, you may be the only Bible some people ever read. And in a way that's, that sort of summarizes personal mission field. Well, tell me, Pastor, finally, as you've seen what's happened in your church, uh, the changes and what the future will be, how do you envision the future of the post-COVID church? Not just yours, but in America. Uh, that's a good, that's a, uh, that's a tough question because, um, it looks as if, and I was, I watched a couple of weeks ago, a, um, there was a little symposium, I guess you could call it, of about 10 different people that I watched on another, uh, online service. It was a, uh, it was all, all Christian folks, some pastors, some attorneys, and they're talking about this. And there were a couple of pastors who seemed bound and determined that they were going to go back, and some were even starting to go back now to doing business as they always had done. They, they were holding on to that method, those methods and ways of doing things. Others, and I guess these others are the ones I sort of identified with, they were saying uh, that 
God has brought us to this point. God has not left us in the midst of this. What is he trying to show us, teach us, get us to think about, to look for new ways and new ideas uh, and uh, new methods new you just just thinking outside the box don't don't what one of the pastors uh said that we've got to not be like the israelites who in the wilderness after having been delivered from slavery in egypt they kept wanting to go back to egypt where it was familiar and they they knew they knew how things worked you want to go back to slavery not that going back to the former methods is slavery, but um, he said, don't be looking back. God has brought us out. God has brought us here. Where does he want us to go? And I, 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 I honestly don't, don't know where. They, I, I know for us, I'm hoping my prayer, my desire is that these times, this, this that we're going through will cause us to uh, continue to stretch and, and think outside the box and uh, look for ways to, to, to focus on the core issues, regardless of how the, you know, the, like I said a, a little bit ago, the Bible is clear on our responsibility to, to study the word to pray, to disciple, parents to disciple their children, to witness, to share Christ. But the Bible, as far as I can tell, doesn't prescribe methods to do that. Uh, and so how can we get back down to the fundamentals, that which really, the core, the principles, the bottom line, and, and, and almost start from scratch and look for ways that we can do these things rather than complaining that it's not like it used to be. Hey, what can it be? Let's look forward. Beautiful. Thank you, Pastor Raven, for being part of the Post-COVID Church Podcast. Well, hey, my privilege. Thank you for the opportunity. Our mission is to help the church plan and serve the post-pandemic world. I'm Stuart Kellogg. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to the Post-COVID Church Podcast. For more, go to the Post-COVID Church group on Facebook.